Hello and welcome to the Surveyor Podcast with James Baker and John Lever. Two chartered surveyors embarking upon a social media journey, locked in a virtual room with nothing better to do than to discuss everything surveying. And something's not. Hi everyone, and uh, the Surveyor Podcast here again. And uh, we are looking at the next in our series on governance with uh, Bruce and Simon. So welcome to them. And uh, before we get to them, John, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm thoroughly enjoying this series. So hopefully our listeners are, James. So, uh, and I just need to again. Let's just make sure we welcome our two uh, guests in the right way. Was it Big Weasel and Sneaky Boy from, <laughs> from memory, or something like that? And obviously, not forgetting to doff our cap to NBE as well. So, uh, so yeah, so there we are. But yes, no, I'm really, um, I'm fine. I'm all good. And um, uh, did I can't remember if I mentioned last time, but we're COVID free now. So, uh, so that's all very good. Good news. And uh, so, yes, number number two, the spare one is back in the fold, and we've told her she's not adopted after all. So, um, <laughs> so that's that's all good. So, on that note, I think we ought to get on. So, uh, so we're carrying on our series, aren't we, with um with Bruce and Simon. So, thank you again to you both. And we're looking at our next question. So, the question I'm going to pose the question put a bit out there is the role of the non-executive in a crisis, how to do the right thing. So, I think I'm going to hand over to Bruce. Yeah, thank you, John. Um, and, and this came about, this topic came about really as a result of, as, as many of the others, as a reflection, because the non-exec is a part of the board. Mm. Um, in the operation of that board, frankly, there should be no real differentiation, but, um, but of course the non-exec has that slight independent view they're on one side of the thick of whatever the crisis is and and this is not about what the right thing to do is it's about how to do it so there's a softer side to the non-exec being able to describe to the board the executive mm. what they see as the issue and to try and get engagement around it we received a very interesting email um, after the publication of the Levitt Report. And I think it's worth me just reading that to reflect for the listeners, because mm. I think it exemplifies this point. I've wanted to reach out for the last two years, to be honest. However, I've been consumed by what the right thing to do is. I wanted to say how very sorry I am to see what you've been put through. And as a member, I thank you for your incredible commitment, professionalism and integrity you've demonstrated to do the right thing for our ICS. Hmm. As I said, I think that sort of exemplifies the point, the two years after the event. Um, and, and that's the challenge, as I think I mentioned in a previous podcast, you know, lots of people know what the right thing to do is. Yeah. The hard part is doing the right thing. And what we're extending the argument to is to how to do that. Yeah. Because it's a stressful situation. Yes, it can. It, I absolutely appreciate that. It is very stressful, isn't it? When, mm. when in that face of adversity and, and you know the right thing, but all of those impactors that can, you know, can by doing that right thing, which is, which in a way, I think is where we need to do a lot of work with whistleblowing policies and procedures so that people don't feel that yeah. there's going to be a negative backlash by raising a concern. Um, but that is so often the case, isn't it? So yeah. Interesting. 
So yeah, you, well, it's it's challenging, isn't it? It's yes. just challenging all round yeah. for everybody concerned. Yeah, because yeah. mm. it is it is you putting yourself up there and probably and and the thing that we hate is other people not liking us. <laughs> so yes, yeah. human beings. Yeah. So there is yeah. that element of uh, I've got to take have that conviction to uh, to do that and hopefully be seen oh. in the right thing. And, and it's for both parties for the it's the for the giver of the information and the recipient of it. Mm. It's not one mm. way traffic. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, well, I think in any walk of life, it's hard to make a stand or to stick your head above the parapet and uh, and and take what's you know coming your way if it's if it's uncomfortable. Mm. That's the that's mm. the thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So, um, James, okay. I think there's a, a quote, isn't there, that your yeah. head, boy, head boy reading this? Oh, yes. In usual fashion, a quote from the from Levitt before we uh, move into general discussion on this. So Levitt states, the non-executives were right to challenge the refusal to give them full and proper information about the state of the Treasury management function of the finance department. That was their job. I find that the four were genuinely concerned about fulfilling their duties to RICS, which they took very seriously. So who, who wants to pick it up from there, Simon? Yes, I'll, I'll pick it up from there. And, and it, with the benefit of hindsight, it sounds really easy and obvious to have identified what, what we should have done or should not have done. Um, it was in, in the moment, it was a great deal more difficult, uh, both to identify what we should or shouldn't do and then to, in a sense, stand behind that position, having reached a conclusion under a lot of challenge and and there is inevitably a, 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 a the seed of doubt gets sown in your mind as to whether where somebody is really confronting you strongly over a position that you've you've adopted whether you are pursuing the right issue in the right way and and, and this was kind of what drove my reflections around both the role of the non-execs and, and both what is the right thing to do, how do you conclude what is the right thing to do, and then how, how to achieve it. And kind of my, my reflection was that when you have a corporate crisis, however that's created, whether that's in externally generated or, as in this case, uh, created internally, it, it puts an organisation and its leadership under real severe stress. And in that stress moment, it, it tests relationships, capabilities, and potentially individuals' moral compass. Mm. And, and I thought it was worth exploring, how do you come to a landing from a situation of crisis as to what is the right thing to do? And then how do you ensure that you maintain that moral compass to continue to do it in the face of challenge and difficulties and adversity. Because there's no handbook. There is absolutely no golden passport to finding what the right thing is. There's just a series of, of pointers that some of which are, are, are reasonably well documented in, 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 in the Corporate Governance Code, in the Companies Act, and the, in this case, the RICS governance structure, its bylaws and, and uh, the, the individual committee terms of reference. And, and we were really attentive to what those responsibilities were, but that still didn't provide the answer to, what, to, to, to the question that we were facing, which was, we know there's a problem, what's the right thing to do about it? 
And it took us quite a long time to work that through. And I think it, it would have been infinitely more difficult had we needed to make those decisions or that decision without the benefit of uh, support from colleagues and the ability to consult with others. Mm. I don't know how you how you found that environment, Bruce, but I think I was going to I was going to make process. Yeah, yeah the, the, the consultation process, as well as the the process of getting some external input about about the, the, the issues we faced was for me probably the most valuable part of having good, strong trust relationships with colleagues that, who, who are other non-execs. Mm. Yeah, I'd wholeheartedly support that. I think I remember very well the conversations that we held as a group of four. And, and it, it, looking back, it was it's all slightly incredulous. You know, how do we get ourselves into that position? Why are we having to have those conversations, which I think is a, an indication of the sort of pressure we were under. Mm. Um, but it was very interesting in those little conversations how we had a very open and frank exchange of views about what's going on here, <laughs> what do we need to do, and most importantly, how are we going to do it? And um, we, we were very careful to make sure that we were trying to support, and that's what we were, we were honestly trying to support the organisation, <laughs> Um, and not come across as, you know, trying to create a problem. The problem was already there. Mm. And so it was hugely valuable just to chew over the issue, to conclude how we should do things at each stage. Yeah, it's really interesting, actually, because the similarities that James and I probably felt from that as well is you start to doubt yourself, don't you? If you if you're on your own, absolutely. And in yeah. the face of adversity, you go, really, am I really seeing it this way? And then and then you get that affirmation from you sit down and have a chat with others and go, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely on the same page as you. It's like, oh, OK, thank goodness. It, you know, I didn't get that wrong then. And I think. From, I don't know about you, James, but from our perspective, I don't think until the you know the twelfth plus one minute hour, when we were when we saw the the Levitt output that we had any affirmation really other than our own conviction that we'd actually made the right decision. You know, we're all convicted that exactly that was the right thing to do, but we I think we were until that point still worried or concerned that that wouldn't go that way. Yeah, I think until. The result of the of an independent view on on matters came. I think I would say, in my own headspace, I probably I was completely sure that what we the way we saw things was correct. But there's always that slight doubt until you get that independent mm. view on matters. So that's certainly for me, anyway. I think. I think, that's, I think that's an inevitability because, candidly, unless you are dangerously arrogant, the absence of a small element of self-doubt that causes you to go back and, and question whether you've correctly analysed the problem and come to the right conclusion is, is inevitable. Um, and I think it's actually quite healthy. Mm. Um, which is why, I mean, certainly in my view and, and experience, having colleagues with whom you can have that conversation and, and who will come at things from a different perspective with a different, uh, using a different lens is, is really helpful because you, you can use other people's opinion as a way of stress testing 
whether your conviction is legitimate or whether your self-doubt is uh, something that you should listen to. Mm. Uh, but ultimately, I kind of where I got to with it is you have to at some point decide what's the right thing to do and then get on and do it and yeah. live with the consequences, even if somebody subsequently decides that with the benefit of hindsight and additional information and a different lens through which judgment is being passed, that they, they conclude you, you've not made the right call in the right way. Yeah, I, I do think that you know, it goes with the role of, of, of a non-exec. You have to be prepared to be brave yeah. I, I also think with that as well, part of that bravery is being prepared to admit that actually that might not be the right decision and learn from it as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think that's that's something that James and I have seen come out from governing council with a number of individuals who've come back after the event, you know, with, with Levitt and gone, yeah, do you know what? Yeah, yeah, I kind of made this decision on the basis of the information we had here. I can actually see that actually the better decision was the second decision that was made and and that was the decision to then to then have the review and and um i think i think from my perspective i have much more respect for people who can see and are willing to kind of go do you know what yeah yeah you're right yeah i need to learn from this and and i think i think that's a really powerful message as well so hmm interesting yeah 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 but, but and it's also just add one other point to that debate. It, these the conversations that we had, you'll remember this well, Simon. I don't know whether it was the same for for you two, but on this one issue was was we Simon talked about this sort of validation of views. We we didn't agree <laughs> on things quite commonly. We, what we would do though, as Simon said, we did trust each other's viewpoint, and we we did reach a conclusion that we all abided by hmm. um yeah I, I think ours was a little bit more volatile <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, I, and i think i think the the conclusion of common sense prevailed um and and to take a proper advice and and legal advice which <clears throat> well you, you did take it external advice didn't you i think we did um, yeah, absolutely did yeah, yeah because there, there was a, a difference of of opinion and and you know an interesting and i would say heated debate um but thankfully common sense prevailed amongst all of us and it was like right before we take any step we will go and seek the right advice because none of mm. us are legal experts so and as it turned out that advice was that no you're not in the wrong if and it was interesting to hear um Alison Levitt's comment that, that actually the language we used um could have been stronger so <laughs> where where we were getting in trouble or, or what we thought was we were getting in trouble for the language we had used actually it wasn't it wasn't probably strong enough so that was an interesting well it was an interesting learning curve let's put it that way mm -hmm. um but yes it, and 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 that that goes to show as well that um i know we're talking about non-exec side of things but you know how to do the right thing is is to not be pushed into a corner or you know which was the coercion that was happening the you know divide and conquer sort of a, a approach um certainly for the gc19 group with those legal um challenges late at night and all this sort of stuff it was just mm. a dirty tricks campaign basically yeah which thank but I, I think we, saw we, through. we throughout tried to keep a very open honest approach to everything we did so we we would conclude what we want to do we then had a big debate about how to do it mm -hmm. 
Um, and Simon, you'll remember these conversations. Mm, we, we were really careful to say, you know, we didn't suddenly go into writing about this, that, and the next thing. We had just conversations with people yeah. to yes. explain our thinking um, because we were, we were trying desperately to get past it, but, but to get an acceptance that there was a problem. Mm. And so, our, so we were always trying to do the persuasion to the board. Yeah to get them to see our concerns. And that's when the whole thing then started to escalate further and further and further. And, and we, as we now see, there were all sorts of activities in the background to push push away that problem. Yeah. So so I'm, I'm kind of guessing that that role, just to come back to our question, you know, the role of non-exec in a crisis is to, as soon as you are unsure or concerned about something, you raise it in a in an environment of openness, transparency, and trust, which seems to be the theme going through everything we're yeah. talking about, so yeah. that it can be a conversation, and it can, you know, and and it, but then, as you say, I mean, we said about this a bit earlier. It's a two-way street, then, isn't it? It's about everybody in that conversation being open and transparent. And if you have a breakdown of that, then yeah, it all just falls apart. Yeah, you're on the road to ruin. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think. It's a really important ingredient, that kind of um, role of the non-exec to, to ask to ask the right questions and, and to, as I call it, frame the exam question. So you're really clear what it is that you're trying to answer as a problem, because so often from my professional background, I've seen people running off trying to answer the wrong exam question, which means you always end up with the wrong answer. The second stage in the process, as I've been taught, is assemble the evidence and get together as much evidence as you can. It doesn't have to be absolutely complete and perfect, but get together the evidence, consult about it. And, and the, the sort of getting external advice is, I think, an integral part of the consultation process where there is something significant that needs technical input. Yeah. Um, but it is still yes. part of the consultation and evidence gathering. And then have a look at kind of what the options are, because, you know, you, you end up with, a, if you do a proper options analysis, you end up with either the best solution or the least bad solution. And then the conversation is about how to implement it. But what we found was um, we were able to have that, if you like, that dialogue that helped frame all of that. We didn't agree about everything, but the difference was within our group, and I think this is really important for non-execs to approach it like this, is that we we were able to disagree without being disagreeable. And I think that is a critical yes. part of a good, well-functioning board and an essential ingredient of corporate governance, because you don't agree with everybody about everything all the time, but you need to be able to have a constructive disagreement whilst still approaching things in a way that is, is part of the same team. And the last piece for me was, was constantly testing, does this feel like the right thing to do? Because that is, if you like, your overlay that sets the moral compass. You, you can identify, you know, are you complying with your director's duties, yes or no? Well, if it's no, then you've got a problem, you need to think about it again. But having gone through all the technical stuff, fundamentally, does it feel like the right thing to do? Mm. And that's where I think everybody should aim to be. And I think it's really critical that that question is constantly being framed and refreshed by a non-exec when they're trying to support a business dealing with a crisis. Yeah, yeah. I think I, 
there's many things I was going to say and I've forgotten half of it now. So I sat there and listened intently to everybody. Um, I guess to, to come to the, the question at hand, really, and, and, and how to do the right thing and speak from experience. I mean, it's worth noting that, that John, you and I, at that point that we probably did the right thing, we're no longer a non-executive and we well, were... No, uh, ab- absolutely, you know, and, and um, yeah, and we found we had more power outside of that equation than inside it, which... Yeah. Was- but I think, and this goes back to what you were saying, Bruce, as well, and, and, and what you both said, actually, and part of the having the ability to do the right thing was to be able to have those conversations with each other. And I think from uh, our situation, um, that John and I found ourselves in it, it, we were only able to do the right thing in many respects from actually having those conversations with, with you know, amongst us, a group of us, a small group of us that start to have that debate and discussion about what had gone on about what we felt about it and what our all different viewpoints on that that were and I would say I think there are probably plenty of you know um healthy disagreements on certain matters you know and I think they'd still be to this day but it's as you were saying Simon I think it's important that that you can have those conversations but actually you know it's about being able to disagree and and you're absolutely spot on you can disagree but you can then still you know move forwards with it you don't have to agree on absolutely everything um so i think from from my perspective just thinking about the question doing the right thing is is hugely hugely challenging in the face of adversity and i think you can only do that if you have the right support around you and i think that we probably as a GC19 group, but also as, as a management board for, I think you, we could probably say both groups had the right people around them ultimately to be able to support them to, to do what they need, you know, what needed to be done. And I think as an individual, it's hugely, hugely challenging to do it on your own because you are on your own and you're not always necessarily going to get that back up. And it's easier to, to maybe not do anything than to, you know, stand up and be counted if you like. I, I completely agree with that. I think having a support community is is really valuable and helpful. And but there is ultimately the personal call that you have to make, mm. and, and that involves yeah. an element of bravery and being willing to live with the consequences. Um, we knew that the position that we took wasn't very popular. Uh, we hadn't expected it to have the outturn that it did, but ultimately it was, uh, we, we all believed it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that there was a determination to be brave and, and, and a willingness to be brave enough to take that position and live with the consequences. Uh, and I, I think that is an, an essential ingredient of somebody in post, particularly in a non-executive mm-hmm. position, not to seek out confrontation, but a willingness to be brave in in support of doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's that's really interesting as well because, I mean, the the other thing I think coming back to James and my experience on governing council when when we joined council, relatively green behind the ears when it came to things like governance and and that council role and and the time. What was mulling around in my head is we were just thinking that you know at what point are you a <laughs> This is a stupid question, but I, I do stupid things in my little parallel universes. It's, at what point do you get to the position where you are good enough or experienced enough to be able to 
take on these non-exec roles or governance roles and know that you're doing the right thing and 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 it's it's kind of it, it comes back to what a lot of I, things I do is obviously nurturing young trainees into at what point are you ready for that chartership well we kind of know you know and is it that gut feel or and I often say to assessors when we train assessors you'll know if a candidate is right or not because more often than not your gut feels the right thing because you know the level they should be at because you're at that level and and, and it's just I just, it just popped into my head just while we were chatting it around at what point do you you know you go from being a, a green behind the ears non-exec to actually one that or is it just something that happens? I don't know. I've got to have a look at this green behind the ears, John. I'm, I'm, <laughs> my imagination is in overdrive. Yeah, really. well, you know. I have an inspection behind the ears. <laughs> um, so, so being less flippant about it, I, I don't think ever, bluntly, you know until you're put in that position. Yeah. And, and that is the moment of test. Yeah. Um, when you find out whether somebody has that moral compass and, and bravery to stand behind what they think is the right thing to do. And, and I've been sometimes, I'm sometimes I almost call frequently surprised at how people have surprised me positively, where they've been put into a situation where they've come good. And also people who I thought better of who didn't. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's really interesting. I'm, I'm, I have to say, you know, I don't know about you, James, but when when again the Levitt review came through and it was an affirmation of us taking the right stance, I'm a lot bolder now. <laughs> I, you, oh, know, interesting. Mm-hmm. you know, I, I now know, in effect, because of that affirmation has happened, I know if I follow the same convictions, the same moral code, moral standing, there's nothing now I don't think that I wouldn't stand up against and say actually i think we need to have a conversation you know not not getting there not being arrogant or bullshit about it but certainly in my mind i'm a lot more happy that yes i was making the right decisions my moral compass is the right place it should be in and uh, and yeah i would do it again and, and so much so that i think i've even said to james i'd love to be able to run my four years at governing council again um now i know what i know what i've learned what i've learned because i think i could be a lot more productive not not so i could have another go but so i could be so much more productive than i felt i was Mm. um and and you know and and just be able to function that much more productively because i I think and these these this series not wishing to kind of be too gushy i've absolutely found you know an affirmation in a way of as we've discussed these things um of of the stance that we have taken Mm. all of us in this so i guess the question then is do is the proposition that this is a learnable skill or you actually have to go through the the fire of personal experience Mm. to be able to develop that you know that confidence and temper and and i i think the best way of learning is from somebody else's mistakes yeah experiences rather than go through it yourself Yes, well, yes, I don't know. I mean, I'm, you're uh, more deeply in, involved in, in the education and training process than I, than I am. I think that part of it is, if you like, you know, nature. There are some people who inherently are good, solid, upright, honest people. And there are some people who clearly aren't and never will be. But most of us sit somewhere in the middle yeah. and, and are capable of being influenced by others, by our surroundings, 
and and by the the force of difficulty that doing the right thing and, and living up to those challenges would would represent so as i say i think is it a learnable skill i i, I think it is at least theoretically but yeah. you never know you really never know until you're confronted with it how you you or anyone else is ultimately going to 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 respond yeah i i think you're right i think i think it is learnable um and I think you know there's there's plenty of good guidance and there's plenty of good authority on it um but I mean I guess <clears throat> the basis of all my training that I deliver when I'm training trainee surveyors is because I've been there and sat it myself and I wouldn't ever for one moment stand up and voice myself as an authority on something that I haven't done myself um that's just part of how I feel about it you, you can't you can't be an authority if you haven't been through the experience but that said a lot of the non-exec experience surely is about heading off adversity before it happens so you know there must be some near misses that you manage to avert so you kind of learn from those it's just i think that we've had a relatively acute experience of yeah. uh, of of you know of going through through the ringer and coming out the other side going actually yeah it was right so we have tried and tested it so there is so there is a bit of both isn't there i think, I think so there is yeah. a bit of academic you know learning and yeah. there's a bit of experiential learning yeah mm. like yeah I, I think that's fair I, I i definitely agree i think it can be, it, it's something that can be learned i i'm a personally i've always felt and this is how through my life how i've gained experience and confidence um you know gain confidence and understanding of things is through my own experiences and i think there's nothing better than and in, as an individual you learning through your own mistakes and your own choices and the outcomes of those and that's where you will learn more and I've always found as well particularly well in in personal life but in my career as well that I always learn far more in adversity than I do in you know when things are just plain sailing and going along nicely um and I think um you asked me a question John about about how I felt off the off the back of things and I would say I'd agree to an extent with what you were saying I, I personally think I'm far more confident in myself and my understanding and my own abilities to act as a non-executive yeah um and to understand governance um to an extent that I would need to probably more so than I did when I was in post if I'm truthful um and and you know having these conversations has has been hugely um important in developing that further but um yeah certainly it's it given me a lot more confidence i would say off the back of the the whole experience yeah no i i think that it's, that's true and and from my perspective a a drive and a motivation to want to learn more hmm. um, because i i find it an immensely interesting um sort of uh you know sort of subject and, and well, area I think I said to you, John, in conversation um, separately outside a podcast, just in a private conversation, that actually it has given me a, a desire and a taste to actually take on some non-executive roles, you know, more non-executive roles and, and, and get involved in that side of things because I've enjoyed my experiences to date, um, but now I feel like I'm in a position where I can offer a huge amount more and I find it, I just find it interesting and enjoyable. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yes, there's a lot to be said, isn't there, for, for sort of being able to impart that experience and, and to support. So, mm. 
Yeah. yeah to just pick up on what James said, I mean, I think that if you've gone through an experience yourself, it's seared, particularly it's a challenging experience, it's seared into your memory and you learn very yeah. rapidly from it. Um, yeah, very true. Well, you hope you do. Um, I'm also really hopeful that it is in part a learnable skill by others sharing their experiences because mm. otherwise we spent quite a long time developing oh, yeah. podcasts with what we are hoping is that by sharing our experiences even if uh, we haven't got all the right questions or even the right right answers or even the, all the right questions that it that it will provide a platform for other people to, mm. to be able to have the have access to what little we've learned from the experience yeah no yeah I, I, yeah i should have probably framed my uh, my comments slightly better because i would agree simon i think you definitely can learn from other people but it's other people sharing and, and it has to be in the manner that we've obviously tried to with these podcasts to share the experiences and thoughts and it's only with those discussions that you can actually learn where people are quite open and mm. honest about what they've gone through um otherwise there's very little you can gain from it but but yes yeah, certainly i think other if others sharing their experiences you can learn from those and and i, th I think to throw in there just um sharing the fact that we have just pipped ten thousand downloads James and I did start this podcast out just purely for our own benefit. And if no one else is listening, <laughs> we've had a thoroughly good experience thus far with uh, chatting to you two uh, and, and us learning from the experience. So, so we don't really care about anyone else out there. <laughs> but no, we do. And, and I think, uh, I think um, the proof's in the pudding, isn't it? These topics are really important. And, uh, and we mm. seek through those who want to listen and hear and, and learn from yeah. them. So, so I think are we are we kind of concluding that I think so that the well the role's important we've kind of got gone through that but I think this question of how you how one takes that role is you know the, the provision of constructive challenge but not solely I think we've all said actually it's more appropriate there's a, there's a support network around that is enabling you to take um, a balanced view because yeah. as individuals we all tend to have our own our own views some more extreme than others but actually even if there's just two people involved it yeah. it helps create some balance and therefore offers a more positive approach to any crisis in a board that an organization is facing yeah i, yeah. I think that's hugely important you know how to do the right thing is to make sure it's set up right in the first place that the support network is there and yeah. that openness and transparency. I was, th I was just thinking exactly the same um, with, um, again, within, within my business, we've got 35 consultants who work for us. Some of right. them, my senior, some are younger, um, both in, in age and experience. And the opportunity we have in that open, you know, we can discuss anything. Mm -hmm. uh, and everyone knows that they can come and talk, come and ask questions. And no one in that group will look at, down their nose at them and go, well, seriously, you know, because the whole point is, is you have that support network there. And I think that's, that in my mind is, is you know, again, the thing I've learned from this is, no, you can't do it on your own. Um, you need, you need that balance. And, and I think that's, that's absolutely the, the, uh, the right way forward. Yeah, I, I'd agree with what you, with your comments there, Bruce. I think we will always have our own viewpoints. I think that one of the crucial things, particularly in a role as a non-executive, but in any walk of life, is to realise that sometimes you, your, you, your view on something might not be entirely right and that there might be another way of looking at matters. And the only way you can assess that is to have a conversation. So I think, you know, 
if there's one other person that you can have that conversation with um, to at least get another viewpoint or another and put some perspective on something, maybe then that's quite useful because yeah, something I've learned, I I certainly have learned is that there's probably times where certainly when you're younger, you think that you know it all and you think, you know, everything about everything in your opinion is right and other people are wrong. And as you get older, you realize that maybe you still think that to an extent, but you realize that it's not always true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And on that note, I think have we uh, have we uh, come to the uh, where we, the conclusion of this this question? I think we have. Is there anything? Any other comments anyone wants to throw in? Just so I'm not preempting a a, a false conclusion. No. Okay. Well, in that, in that case, then, as always, we need to end these podcasts in the right and proper fashion, uh, which I, I think probably uh, James, Bruce and Simon are starting to get the hang of now. I think they'll we'll start uh, joining in soon. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> we, we could start a group chant. No, so in, in all goodness, and uh, don't forget to wash your face and your hands, and James, of course. Don't look any strangers. Unless you have the right support network. But no, not even that. <laughs> and then, no, and then no. even still don't. Yeah, even just, still just don't. don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just don't, because they'll tell you not to. Yeah, absolutely. Doing so the right thing. thing. Doing the right Doing thing the right is thing. to not look a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, gentlemen, as always, thank you very much for a very informative and very interesting discussion. Until the next time, thank you very much and goodbye. Thank you. Thanks. Hello there, and thank you for joining us for our latest episode of the Surveyor Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed making it. Don't forget to subscribe at all your favourite podcast providers, Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and so on. Also on Twitter and Instagram, at SurvePod, that's S-U-R-V-P-O-D. You can also get us on YouTube, click the subscribe button, and don't forget to click the little bell, and tells you when we post our latest content, and on our webpage, servepod.com. Don't forget to leave us your reviews, comments, suggestions, and of course, any questions. And finally, if you want to come along, join us at a future episode of the Surveyor Podcast, send us an email to servepod at gmail.com. If you like what you see in here, tell your friends, let's put surveying on the map. Stay safe, wash your hands, and don't lick any strangers. Bye-bye for now. The Surveyor Podcast is a copyright deliver and invoice limited production. We suggest you come up with your own ideas and not copy ours. Thank you. Catch you again soon. Bye-bye.